0: Hello, everyone. I'm your host, Roy Swart, father of seven, MIT graduate, active engineer in the high tech industry, and most importantly, bought and paid for bondservant of the Lord Jesus Christ. Our mission here at the Ambassador's Forum is to equip you to be able to better understand and defend your faith by thinking biblically. It's the same way Jesus did it. I'm excited to have one of our very own homegrown apologists back on the show today for round two, David Hazen. David got a bachelor's in global economics and international business from Cedarville University. He is currently a business owner in the environmental industry and also has a passion for apologetics and the intellectual defense of the Christian faith. He's been a member of the Ambassadors Forum for the last several years and lives in Oregon City, with his wife and daughters, where he spends time with them, plays music, and enjoys the outdoors when he's not working on a home renovation project. David, welcome back to the show. Thank you. Appreciate it. So where we left off last time, we kind of covered the full arc of you were raised in a Christian home, you know, solid in your faith, committed believer, went to a great university, emerged committed to God, very knowledgeable about what the Bible taught about God and Jesus and you. It all kind of made sense. And then later, you know, you're in the workplace. Some of these nagging doubts and inconsistencies of what you saw in reality started bumping up against what you had kind of put together as your worldview. You know,
1: we talked a little bit in the last one about community, and I think it's probably worth touching on that a little bit more in the sense that one of the other things that was so challenging was that a, so many of my good friends were going through similar things mm. and even the people that I hadn't stayed in contact with but you know you kind of follow their careers and their lives on social media or whatever so many of them just going a different direction leaving the faith and but it's just that feeling that so many good friends and that Christian network that I had, just so many
0: people going through the same thing. And do you think that in a way gave you permission to pursue these questions?
1: Not consciously, I wouldn't okay. say, okay. but it, it certainly may have been a factor. But um, I think it was more to the point about community. I didn't have anyone in my own peer group in my own age that was a really close friend that was really, really solid in their faith, mm. meaning they had answers rather than just more questions. Yeah, that's oh, a good one. Here's okay. another kind okay. of a thing.
0: Okay. Nobody had kind of gone through the, the the darkness of challenging and emerged and said, hey, I'm on the other side. I've I've I can help you. Exactly. Wow. Yeah. And so there's a huge spectrum here of how people arrive at this um, place of asking questions, if they've been trained, and this is a little bit of an extreme example, but if they've been trained or taught that never question, never doubt, you know, Jesus is the way because I said so, they're in for a rude awakening. Yeah, but I think, <laughs> think I, would,
1: I would maybe even throw another category in there. Um, my experience, I was... Not in that category. I was encouraged to ask questions and learn and grow and was exposed to apologetics even in high school, younger than that. But what was, I think, different was I didn't anticipate the the sophistication or the Mm. coherence of the opposing arguments because all I had was the one side. It was almost like they were presented with a scoffing of the other side. It was like, here's the answers, and can you believe what those people believe, you know? And so that was more my category was I had been exposed to a lot of answers for questions that were presented as not very good questions in the first
0: place. I see. One way that I've seen that approached is, I think it's Psalm 14.1, you know, the fool in his heart says there is no God. See, the Bible says anybody who ever questions God yeah. is just
1: a fool. Right, so, yeah. Yeah, yeah. so then, you know, once I'm being exposed to these questions, it's, you know, again, very much surprised or taken aback by these are coherent, like there's a logical, you know, reasoning behind this, the volume of them becomes overwhelming. Um, So it takes work to pick one of them apart and to really understand any of these, these types of questions, but given a a mass um, of them, it, it makes a big difference. And then, you know, I guess the other thing that we could go back and touch on is unless you've gone through that process, there's really no way to describe, I think, the emotional side of it if you grow up in the in the Christian faith if if your friends are Christians if that is the thing you know once that worldview starts to crumble it is just literally terrifying the level of like anxiety just overwhelming wow. and there seems to be no way out buried under this pile of questions that you don't have answers to you haven't built up any, alternative worldview. Um, and, and so you're just, you're just flailing and it's just a very
0: emotional, very terrifying experience. I've heard some people describe that situation. The effect of that is, so you stop asking questions because you're like, if I keep asking questions and I arrive at the point where the Bible is not true, there is no God. My Christian faith was a farce or whatever. I lose everything.
1: Yeah. And I guess at some point you acknowledge the intellectual honesty of those that just do leave the faith and at least kept asking the questions. They didn't just
0: settle with what they had and certainly not ideal. But (laughs) but you can imagine. Yeah. You you can sympathize with that. So for those who have been with us for an entire episode and they're hanging on this, they're like, okay, so David, what's the end of the story? What happened?
1: I don't think there's any... Again, similar to how I got there, I don't think there's any one event or one thing that I can point to that said this turned me around and solved all my problems and yeah. I'll just maybe give a couple of things sure. that I think really helped me. One of them would be I felt like I always had a couple of anchors to hold on to, things that I didn't question.
0: Mm.
1: For me again going back to growing up in a in a Christian faith, one of the things that I struggled with that I really had doubts with was the effectiveness of Christianity. Like I said, you know, it, mm-hmm. it is the Holy spirit really working in my life is, is God active in my life. And I, right. I just didn't see that. But one of the anchors that I held on to was I know it worked for my grandparents. Mm-hmm. They have such a powerful testimony of turning to follow Christ with his whole heart. Um, it, you know, he had polio. He was in an iron lung. Like, there was, wow. there was all of this stuff. And, um, you know, it's a, that's a another episode. But um, <laughs> I knew that God worked powerfully in his life.
0: Hmm.
1: And I knew that God worked powerfully in my parents' life. Right. Um, they had just countless stories of being going through the mission field and things like that. Being raised in a mission family. I heard missionary stories all the time and it was all these things just like there's no way that that could happen just randomly like mm. even if I felt like God wasn't working in my life like I couldn't see any evidence of him in my life I mm. had this anchor that I know he was working in these other in these other people kind of I, own, that was something I could hold on to
0: kind of your own personal version of the heroes of the faith in Hebrews eleven where it's like, hey, by faith, this person and this person and you're like, Yeah, but I didn't know Abraham or Sarah, but I did know this particular missionary and my parents and my that's yeah. cool. Super yeah,
1: cool. Yeah. Yeah. So that's one of the things that you know I, I would encourage people is to find, you know, the one thing that you can that you can hang on to and and maybe Maybe it's not a personal story. Maybe it's, like, an intellectual argument. Maybe if you find the evidence for Jesus' resurrection particularly compelling, like, you know, you can hang on to that as you explore the other things and find answers to the other questions. Yeah, and then I think, you know, the other thing maybe to to call out is—I think, Roy, we've talked about this in the past—is— I think when we're talking about like these stories that I held onto as an anchor, some people would probably look at that and say, that's the emotional side of it. That's not a very intellectual argument. But that goes back to the what I was saying about it being such an emotional experience. Like this is not all a clear cut logic and data, logic and data <laughs> thing. There's a lot of emotion mm. that guides us as we go through these experiences, I think. Mm. And so you have to just acknowledge that, that we're, we're humans, we're, mm. there's good. that component That's good. of it. That's good. And kind of along that same line, I think one place that that leads a lot of people, people that leave the faith, arrive at a place of what they call peace. You know, I've, I've come sure. to peace with leaving the faith, abandoning yeah, it all. Yeah. And I think, you know, one author said something to the effect of the brain loves the feeling of clarity because mm. clarity represents survival. Yeah. Even if it's fiction, even, sure, if, sure. even if clarity is totally not true, yeah, yeah. brain loves that. Mm. And I think that's what, for a lot of people, peace means it's like i've got everything in a box i've built up my worldview it Mm. makes
0: logical sense but that doesn't mean it's true Mm. yeah i think that can be very i hate to use the word deceptive but i can't think of a better word where if you're living in conflict like you said that's very anxious that's very there's turmoil emotionally like, ah, I you know, I'm saying this is true, but I'm seeing this is true. And I know they're opposing and throwing that away and just saying, okay, you know what? I'm just going to land on this one thing.
1: Yeah. You want to get out of that feeling as quickly as possible because it's not a comfortable place. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I think, you know, from there, it just took a lot of patience for me. It just took a lot of time because when you have so many questions, you can't, you can't get after all of them right away. It it just right. takes time to pick them apart, especially if you know you have a full time job doing <laughs> doing other stuff. But I think that was what I needed to do was just seek the answers. Yes, there was a lot of emotion, but I had to come to a point where I could intellectually, honestly say, I have more good answers than I have questions. I still have a few questions. I still have lots of questions, sure. but the weight of the things that I know can bring me to a point that I can move forward in confidence that, that this is true. I can move forward. And I think that's what faith is. It's an action. You know, it's not just a, an intellectual belief. It's, it's being able to make a commitment and take action based off of it.
0: Sure. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you're the father of your children, the husband of your wife, the leader of your home, and you couldn't just throw out this, hey, guys, I don't even know if I believe anymore, you know, out on the table. At what point did you feel like, okay, I'm stable enough now to share some of these things? Hey, this is what I'm going through. Or, you know, was it a one-time thing where you finally felt like, you know, you could come out and into the light and say, Hey, this is what I'm going through. Or was it kind of a gradual emergence of your story?
1: Um, I would say I think it was more gradual, but it seemed like there came a point when, like I said, I felt like there's this scale and the answers that I had weighed more than the questions that I didn't have, or I didn't have answers to. And at that point, I got to some certain point where it was like, okay, I'm probably never going to have all the answers, but I have to do something. And it was almost a recommitment. It was almost an intellectual commitment that I was making. It was like, I believe this is true, and I'm going to orient my life. I'm going to move forward in faith that this is true based on this evidence that I have, based on the answers that I have for the big questions, and then I'll work out the rest as I go along I'll continue to seek answers for the questions that I don't have but once I kind of made that commitment then it was it became
0: easier to share easier to talk about it more would you say because you had less fear that you were like hey if I if I share this and people say yeah but David you're still committed right like you're still a Christian no matter what Maybe there is a point where you're like, I don't know. I can't give you that. That's a pretty scary place to be. Do you feel like you finally got over some boundary line where you can say, hey, I am committed to Christ no matter what I'm in. But to be honest, I still have a lot of questions. It seems like that's not quite as scary a place to be as, yeah, at some point I may just walk away because... I'm convinced it's not true.
1: Yeah. I think that's accurate. I think it probably was. It kind of took me getting to that second place. Okay.
0: Um, Across that threshold.
1: Right. right. Okay. And, you know, I think ideally that's not the case. Ideally, (laughs) a person can be like open and honest enough that they'll reach out to the community before then. But, yeah, it's tough.
0: It is tough. It is tough. So, again, I I appreciate your honesty, your vulnerability in, in sharing this. And what I'm also hearing is it's not like, hey, the end of the story was you got all your questions answered and you're fine now. Don't worry, guys. I'll never question again. It's almost like you arrived at a final chapter that never ends, which is... Yeah, I have questions. I don't always get the best answers, but I keep moving forward and I get more questions and I get more answers, but I may never arrive at this point of certainty where I'm like, yep, I got it all figured out.
1: Yeah, that's really true. And I think, you know, one of the ways that I would describe it is I feel like I constantly have this like little internal skeptic that lives inside of me that just (laughs) jumps up and yells anytime I come across. (laughs) you know, hear a sermon or, you know, we'll have talk in the ambassador's forum and it'll be like, what, is that really true? (laughs) What's your basis for that? And I can't help that. Like that's, that's part of my faith is having that skeptical side. I think it's, I wouldn't say that doubt is a good thing, but I think God uses it. I think he uses it to mature our faith. You know, I'd say I had to become accountable for all my beliefs. Like I couldn't just accept anything. Right. And that skeptic ensures that. Right, right. In a sense, that I think is has value, and I think that's how God uses this. Again, wouldn't say it's good. Don't wish it on anyone, but...
0: <laughs> <laughs> I, I do think that's one of the reasons I value your membership on the team and you being part of the community because... I think you hold the rest of us to a higher standard. Sometimes in anything, not just in Christianity, people can get into an echo chamber where they say, oh, yeah, we're right, yeah, yeah, we're right, yeah, yeah, we're right. And those people that disagree with us, man, what a bunch of idiots. They're so wrong. And, And it can just escalate and cycle. And it's good to have somebody say, well, wait a minute. They actually don't have a terrible argument. That argument right there needs to be addressed. Yeah. And it may not be as clear cut as we think it is. And I think that's a very healthy voice in the conversation. And I think it's a voice that you often bring.
1: Yeah. And I think it's
0: born out of, you know, the experience that
1: we've been talking about. Again, my experience with apologetics early on was this is the answer to this bad question. Yeah. And there was never a even portrayal of both sides. Yeah. And when I was at, you know, sort of the deepest anxiety turmoil sure. of doubt, one of the things that really, really helped me was pursuing the the podcast, the conversations that where people were balanced. are balanced, yeah. where they're talking to, yeah. you know, back and forth. Yeah. And I really, really gravitated to those because any apologetics that I encountered, I couldn't help but ask, well, what would the other side say if they were here? Sure. What's the verse in Proverbs where you know it's like
0: an issue is clear until the other side until the is other side speaks? Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. And I resonate with that a ton because it's like you hear one side yeah. and sure yeah. sounds sounds great, but yeah. if we are exposing the church, our our kids to that one side, and then they go off and they realize, oh, this other side is actually coherent. Absolutely, I think that's. Is sometimes more damaging.
0: Absolutely. I can think of so many examples of people who have said, they're extreme situations, but I was taught this. And then somebody actually showed me the real truth. And sometimes it's even in the Bible. I was taught that the Bible says this. And then somebody's like, really, where in the Bible is that? And then I couldn't find it because it's not in the Bible. Yeah. But it was presented to me as if it was in the Bible what a dangerous thing to have happen to those young people or to anybody, yeah, and so it makes me think of jesus's response when he came across people who had questions. The two examples I can think of are I think it's in mark nine twenty four where the guy has a son who's demon possessed and uh, jesus's disciples are trying to cast it out and the guy says to Jesus something like, hey, if you can, please cast this demon out of my child. And Jesus was like, I don't know what exact tone he had, but it was like, what do you mean, if I can? Like, yeah. <laughs> dude, you're dealing with the creator of the world, the savior of mankind. Of course I can. Yeah. And the guy said, I believe Help me in my unbelief. What yeah. What an honest, sincere, like, you're right, Jesus. I do believe, essentially at the core, I believe you can. Yeah. But, but if I'm being honest, help me with my unbelief. And Jesus doesn't rebuke that guy. Yeah, he doesn't dare. say, come back when you get it figured yeah, exactly. out, and then we'll talk. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Oh, you know, 80%? No. You still have doubts? You still have questions? No, I'm not dealing with you. He meets him where he is. Yeah. And what a beautiful picture of Jesus's response. The other example is, I think it's in Luke, where John the Baptist, right? Jesus' cousin who's grown up with him and heard all the stories and, you know, been to all the family reunions. And he's, you know, and, and the one who eventually says, you know, Jesus is the Lamb of God, baptizes him. You know, is the forerunner that's prophesied in the Old Testament to pave the way for Jesus? If there's anybody who's a believer in Jesus, it's John the Baptist. And then later, when he's in prison and maybe in a dark place, he sends his disciples to ask Jesus, he says, Are you the one? Are you really the one? Yeah, are you really the one? Or do we wait for another? And you're like, What in the world? Like, John the Baptist had it figured out. How did this guy have doubts? How did he have questions? And instead of Jesus saying, how dare you, how dare you, John, have questions. How dare you, you know, have these doubts about me. Remember what Jesus did in the story? Yeah, gave him evidence. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Exactly. He gave him more evidence and more truth. What a beautiful picture of how Jesus dealt with someone's sincere doubts.
1: Yeah, and I think that's the theme throughout the Bible, certainly throughout the New Testament, is doubt is never like glorified or encouraged or anything like that. But when people are doubting, there's compassion. There's evidence provided. What is it in Jude? Have compassion on those who doubt. That's right. I think that's the theme throughout, and I think that's what our response should be as well.
0: Very cool. Well, thank you, David, for another truth-filled, sincere, honest talk about, you know, what has helped you in your own journey. And I hope this is an encouragement to other people who who are out there struggling with doubts. What would be the top two or three things? Someone who's raised in the faith, someone who's got a ton of background about Christianity, very invested in the community, but is struggling. And maybe even at a point where they're like, you know what, I don't want to be completely open and honest with where I am because I'm afraid people will judge me. I'm afraid people will condemn me. I'm afraid I'll lose my family, maybe my job. What were the top couple of suggestions you'd have for that person?
1: Yeah, I'd say don't give in to fear. It's a very fearful experience. Truth is true no matter what. And if our faith is really, really true, there will be evidence for it. There will be good answers. Seek those. I would say one major word of caution. Don't discount the answers to the questions that you've already heard or discount the teaching that you grew up in just because you're hearing attacks from the outside. One thing that I had to do constantly was go back and relearn something. Mm. So often the familiar sometimes doesn't feel as, as convincing. <laughs> I had to constantly tell myself, I know I heard an answer to this at one point and I just had to go back and find it. And I'd say, don't just jettison
0: the old things that you've been taught. Thank you for being a part of the team and yeah. I look forward to continuing to work together with you to, to share God's love and truth with people who are, who are seeking.
1: Yeah. Thanks, Roy.
0: Now, how about you? Are there people in your life that are struggling with doubts and questions who may want to approach you as a compassionate, friendly, kind person who can help them in their journey? David did a great job speaking to the people who were having the doubts I want to give a word of encouragement for those people who can help those people. Don't respond in condemnation. Don't respond in judgment. Don't respond in arrogance or superiority and think that you're better than them. Please come alongside them with gentleness and respect and compassion and take that journey together with them. We have so many helpful resources on our website. You can find them at theambassadorsforum.com. I pray that God will raise you up in your own faith and send you out to share that faith with others in the grace and truth of the Lord Jesus Christ. Until next time, I'm Roy Swart. May the Lord bless you and keep you.